Many, many years ago, back whenever I was in college, whenever uh, I, I decided I wanted to discern about becoming maybe a Jesuit priest. They seemed like they had a pretty cool jobs, you know, around, around the country. They seemed to be doing some pretty neat things. And so I went on a discernment retreat with them. Kind of see, hey, what are they all about? What do they do? And what's interesting about this discernment retreat was that this retreat was five days long. And at no point did they ever take us into their classrooms. At no point did they ever uh, bring us into any type of their apostolate. They didn't bring us to any of the nursing homes, or they didn't bring us to any of, the, any of the, the universities that they ran. They didn't show us any kind of the glamorous things. But instead, what these guys did was they put everybody discerning the Jesuits, everybody discerning the priesthood with them, this, this religious order, they put them on a three-day Silent retreat, kind of an odd way to look at things. Why would you, why would you go in, in order to introduce somebody into your way of life, put them on, put you on a three-day silent retreat? And this ended up being one of many of the retreats I would end up making before becoming a priest and even after becoming a priest. And what I learned from them in that moment, at that time in college, why we had to be quiet for three days was simple. Eliminate distractions so that you can hear the voice of God speaking to you. Eliminate distractions so that you can hear the voice of God speaking to you. And I would argue that's the purpose of this parable. This parable fundamentally is based off of the elimination of distractions. We have this beautiful image of Jesus setting up for this, this grandiose parable. What does he do? He doesn't stand amongst the crowds. Instead, he hops in a boat, goes a distance away, so that he can preach to the masses. And he tells this parable about a sower, sowing seed, and just spreading seed around generously, like Jesus preaching this parable generously, to everybody, to the masses. And the way they sowed seed back in Palestine 2,000 years ago, was it was not necessarily in one specific spot. They didn't really have a lot of time to plow the land. They instead threw it everywhere and in hopes that it would fall in the right spot and thus grow and bear crops. But what Jesus does is he illustrates four different types of soil. The soil or the soil symbolizes people, people hearing the word of God. And he starts off with basically the people that, with the hardened hearts. People that don't, that don't really, that, that are not interested in hearing uh, and, and really understanding and digesting the Word of God. We all know, maybe even a lot of our friends are like this. Maybe they went to CCD as a kid. Maybe they grew up Catholic. Maybe they do whatever. And then, you know, they grew up and, you know what? Not really interested anymore. Didn't really take heart. Wasn't really my thing. And that's that. This is very, very common this day and age. Uh, why? Because, let's be honest. There's a lot of alternatives to religion these days. There's a lot of alternatives to coming to Mass. You can stay and hang out on YouTube. You can browse Instagram. You can get on Twitter. Pick your poison. It's right there for you. There's a lot of alternatives and a lot of distractions that fundamentally draw us away and ultimately don't really allow us and not really interested in digesting the Word of God. And what ends up happening is the Word of God ends up getting stolen from us. Whenever we don't allow it to come into our hearts, what ends up happening? Birds come and steal it away. Satan and his minions work his magic, and before we know it, we're, we're down with the rest of them. But then there's another phase 
Another phase that a lot of us I think might even be familiar with, a phase that I encountered a lot whenever I was on the ship and a lot as a priest. You know, this, it's the excited phase. Hey, I want to be Catholic. I read, you know, I watched Robert Barron on YouTube or, you know, saw Father Mike Schmitz and, you know, he was really cute and dreamy. I want to go and become Catholic. Let me give that a shot. So you come, Father, I want to become Catholic. Great. All right, let's do it. And then I never see him again. That's not a, that's not a rare thing that happens, that happens fairly often. You know, this kind of, hey, like, let's get it. Let's excited with joy. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then before we know, we kind of burn out. Burn out. We, we have this initial joy, but because our roots are not that deep, it ends up, uh, the sun ends up frying us, and we end up ultimately kind of falling out of it. And that's not, that's not that uncommon either. It's very common for all of us. I mean, we do this not just with the Lord. We do it all the time with all kinds of good habits we should be getting into, whether it's learning a new language, working out, eating healthy, we often can get very excited, ultimately to flame out, uh, which is which is why kind of he goes on to say what we need to do. He introduced another point, the third kind of image, and this is somebody, and I see, and this is the this one for me really breaks my heart, is somebody who actually the seed falls into the ground, it grows, they get excited, they 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 actually are they're steady, they steady come to the faith, come to the faith, come to the faith. But then what ends up happening? Worldly anxieties. Worldly anxieties get the best of them. Suddenly, all, suddenly you know, providing for their children becomes more important. Spending time with their family becomes more important. All these things are good. I'm not saying these things are bad. But suddenly, we start, you know, rest becomes more important. And suddenly, worrying about everything else under the sun, the faith takes a back burner. Yeah, I'll get to that later. It's if it's some kind of hobby that, that, that we didn't, that didn't really get into it. That's a hard one because a lot of that happens to so many of us. That even happens to priests and seminarians. That is not uncommon. We start worrying about the little things, and ultimately the little things are the only thing that, that keep us in mind. And by failing to keep the main thing the main thing, we kind of end up letting it fall apart. But finally, there's this one interesting image. Rich soil. Seed falling on rich soil bearing fruit. Bearing fruit, not just, not just twofold, but 160 or 30-fold. Bearing fruit and ultimately kind of really, really spreading the gospel, which I think is a beautiful image. Essentially, this is where what I think we're all longing to be, to be people who digest the word, who hear the word, understand it, and then allow it to form us and shape us and change our lives. But I think the question is, all right, we know how not to be fertile soil, you know, be, be, very, be very just, you know, shallow, be very focused on the, on the superficial, how then do we become fertile soil? How then do we allow, how then do we, do we allow, if you will, God to plant his seed deep down inside of us? And I learned that uh, in my living room as a kid. My dad was really big into Western movies. He loved, he loved Westerns. That was, his, that was his thing. And I, you know, looking back, I kind of like Westerns too. There was, it kinda, there was kind of like an earthiness to it that really makes you appreciate life that we don't really often get anymore. And one of the things that I learned about Westerns, and one of the things that I learned through Westerns, is that plowing is really, really, really hard. Before the gas turbine engine was invented, plowing fields was a miserable experience and a miserable way to live. It was extremely difficult because generally the soil was really difficult. You had to use a mule. 
You had to guide the mule on making sure that the, the blade was in the ground, and you had to till it up with a lot of work and a lot of kind of got a dedication and focus doing multiple things at one time to ultimately try and be able to get seed into the ground. And I think that's what, what it takes to be a Christian and a Catholic these days. If you and I really want to be fertile soil, it means you and I have to not plow, but rather be plowed. What, what this means fundamentally is that you and I ultimately have to allow God to turn up the soil in our hearts. We can't do it ourselves. We're soil. We're passive. We exist. We have to let God do the work, which is an interesting perspective that Jesus basically proposes to us, that we have to let the sower come in and basically intervene into our lives. And that leads to the next question. How do we do that? How do we let God come into our lives and sow rich seed and till our hearts? And the answer, interestingly enough, goes back to what the Jesuits had to teach back whenever I was in college. It comes through silence. It comes through silence. My friends, God is always working. God is always working. He's always laboring. He's always planning. He's always working to get us into heaven. He's always working to plow our hearts. He's always working to ultimately allow us to become more and more like his son. The problem is we often say no. But not an overt no, not a no, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. Most of us don't say that. If you do, hey, come talk to me. I'd love to have that conversation. That seems like, a, seems like an interesting person. But most of us, instead of saying no to the Lord overtly, we say no passively. We kind of give the, oh, yeah, I'll get around to that. I'll think about it. And then you go, you know, and, and play video games or go and watch Netflix or go and do something else, anything else, but really engage in the Lord. It's very easy to do that these days. Distractions cause us to ultimately no longer listen to the voice of God. So then what do we do? The path to ultimately becoming a fruitful disciple is through silence. It's through silence. One of the hardest things you and I can do to sit and to be and to pray in silence. There's a reason why being in solitary confinement is, is ultimately a, a punishment. There's a reason why so many people, especially whenever I was in college, I'd meet that they just couldn't be quiet. Like they, they, would, they, they couldn't even go to sleep without list, having, listening to something in their ear. They could, it just wasn't even possible. There's a reason for that because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. But ultimately, what does that do? It tends to make us shallow. It tends to make us distracted. It tends to cause us no longer to be able to listen to the voice of God, to be able to listen to our conscience, and to be able to process the, the, the lessons that life presents to us. Because let's be realistic. God isn't just working in silence. He's working in our lives. He's working in our sufferings. He's working in our losses. He's working in our confusions. He's working in those moments where you and I think he's not working at all. But we'll never be able to see that unless we're silent. We'll never be able to see that unless we're quiet and we pray and we ask him to intervene. Instead, 
we'll see these things, these sufferings, these confusions, these losses, rather as, as pure, ultimately, tools of the devil. And what do we become? Instead of becoming wise and understanding, we become angry and bitter. And what does that lead to? A hardened heart. A hardened heart that doesn't allow God to set in. And so, my friends, I want to encourage us to instead of pursuing the way of the world, which is so full of distraction, so full of confusion, so full of ultimately past in which you and I can reject God, to instead pursue the Lord. And it's not that hard. I mean, it's hard. It's, excuse me, it's not that complicated. And that's the path of silence. Allowing Him to speak deep within our hearts so that we can understand how He's working and how He's telling us to be fruitful and fertile soil.